Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. a lot of struggle around right now about how people find their identity. And uh, there's a lot of talk this week and last week and uh, in Australia in particular, but if you go into the States, there's been probably a month or six months where different people are asking the question, how do you define a woman? And uh, you see various people just struggling with the modern mindset to try and define a very basic thing. And unfortunately, that's the way our world is headed. And uh, in increasingly difficult times, I find that uh, young people are struggling. And the only way we can find security and strength is to find our identity in Christ. It is the only way. We must find ourselves In some ways, it's like we have to push the reset button. You know, when your phone starts to play up and they tell you to do a, you know, turn it off and turn it on again, then they tell you to do a soft reset and you've got to hold three different buttons in three different places and try to find enough fingers to do that and then hold it down until the Apple, uh, Apple, (laughs) until the Apple logo appears and then it should reset itself because it's reprogrammed or it goes back to the way that it was intended to operate in the first place, where there's no little glitches and no little side things. Now, of course, if there's no power on, sometimes they tell you, you know, make sure you've got enough power on your device in order to get the reset done. But I think there's a lot of people in this world right now, and you may be one of them. I certainly have found myself in this place at times where we're running on empty And then even the struggling, the uh, desire or the willpower to have the button reset is sometimes a hard thing. But we've got to understand today that the power of the reset doesn't come from us. The power of the reset comes from him. Amen. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will, it's a promise, and I will give you rest. Not only that, I say in my notes that uh, when Jesus took the punishment and penalty of sin and unrighteousness, he created a brand new way of interacting with God. And that way enables us to be repaired, revived, re-energized, resurrected, and live as we should. Ultimately, it's a reset from God. How good is that? We were designed to worship God. That's why at the end of that song, you feel elated. You feel something transformed. When we praise God, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us. In the midst of a jail, Paul and Silas praised God and it was unlocked. The circumstance was changed. And sometimes in order to get that reset to happen, sometimes we have to magnify the Lord. Sometimes we have to just say, you know what, he's a lot greater than I am. You know, I can't rely on Ken to bring change, but I can rely on the Holy Spirit to tell me about things I need to change. And I can submit to him. That's a horrid word these days in some ways, isn't it? 
to submit to somebody greater. Often we uh, want to rebel or we want to distrust and there's a lot of, you know, why should I do this and why should I do that? And you know, every time there's an edict made or a decree made, you've got a protester here or there. You know, somebody painted the wall black, somebody didn't like it. Some people have left the church because the, the wall over here was painted black. I mean, is that crazy or is that crazy? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Some people la- leave the church because somebody didn't say hello to them. Are you serious? I mean, let's, let's get the realness here. Are we okay to be Pastor Ken this morning? Not just the, you know, they reckon if you roast the pastor after the service, then if you roasted me, it'd be fat and a little bit sweet. Hey, it would be. It'd be nice. But today, I just want to pull the truth out. You know what I mean? Like, if you leave church because somebody didn't talk to you, what was the reason you came to church in the first place? Just saying. I'm just putting it out there. I mean, do we need a reset on the reasons why we do things? Amen, yes, we do. Because it's not by works that we will boast. It's by the blood and the sacrifice and the death of Jesus Christ that we should boast. And when I come to worship him about that, well, Ken's got not, he's big in the picture, but not that big in that picture, if you get what I mean. Do you understand what I mean? He is all. What he has done is all sufficient. You can't add to it. So if you think your tricky little extra worship extension of your hands might mean that you get a little bit of extra points from God, you say, no, it doesn't matter. And the person that's sitting here like this and saying, oh, yeah, whatever, I couldn't be bothered. Well, you only get what you put into things. If you expect to have, you know, something in this service to fire you up so that you can just make it through to the end of next week, I'm going to just be honest with you. Something's wrong with your theology. Amen. We come to praise Him because He is the one who energizes me every single day and sets the reset button every day. I come because He told me it is good for me to come into the house of God. And I come to bring a, a, a sacrifice of praise when I don't feel like praising. Who always starts off like that? Who, if we're really honest, who doesn't like getting out of bed in the mornings? especially when it's starting to get cold now, you know. I'll probably lose a third of the congregation just to the coldness. I don't think so, amen, not this year. Not this year. I tell you, I'm hotter on the inside than the outside that's there. Amen. I'm telling you, there's something that's cooking and it's called the Holy Spirit on the inside. I pray that after this message this morning, you would be cooking too, amen. (laughs) Woo! John chapter 3 verse 16 tells us, For God so loved the world, everybody say loved, that he gave, everybody say gave, his only son. Ooh, ooh, the only one. He gave his only son that the unlimited sons and daughters might be made, amen. Woo! Anyway, we'll keep keep going. I, I could get just excited on that bit alone, but I've got lots to do. You'll be happy to know I haven't got 34 pages today, I've only got four We'll, uh, we'll probably be here for about 40 minutes. No, no. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes. Somebody say, whoever believes. I don't know what you believe, but you choose what you believe. And you will have what you believe based on a certain thing. Yeah? Now, some people believe lies. Because they've only been told lies, taught lies, and experienced lies. And it's not until their eyes are opened to the truth that they see something clearly. And here's the truth contained here in this very scripture. 
you have to read on. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The message of the gospel is that Jesus comes to save. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. You, you probably won't hear Ken McLean talk a lot about turn or burn. Now, there is an element of truth to that. Because if you don't go to heaven, you go to hell. There's no other place. You're not going to go to purgatory. You're not going to just stand in line at Starbucks and wait for a coffee. Although that could be considered hell in itself, couldn't it? No, no, you're not going to be doing that. You're either going to end up in one of two places. But it's not a scaredness of where I might end up that causes me to change. It's the knowledge that God loved me and Jesus gave his life for me in order that I might be changed on the inside and know him and then I can know what my destiny is here and now. I'm not struggling to find out what my identity is by the things I do or don't do. I find my identity in what Christ has done for me. I am a child of God through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. Amen. Are you a child of God this morning? Are you empowered by God this morning? And God's aim is not to condemn, but to empower and to save. So sin dwells on the inside of most of us. Put up your hand if sin is not inside you. Oh, there are no liars in the church here this morning. That's good, isn't it? We are. Who struggles with the concept of sin? Who struggles with sin itself? Who, oh, let's ask the real question. Who does the wrong thing? Good. Who thinks the wrong thing? Who says? <laughs> Amen. Who says the wrong thing? Who acts the wrong way? Who gets jealous? Who, um, who looks at you know, the neighbor's car and thinks, oh, that was a better car than my one. I wish I could have that one. That's coveting. You know what I mean? Who's murdered anybody? <laughs> Stay clear of these people. Who's called somebody a fool? Ooh. Now, that's not Ken talking. That's Jesus talking. I mean, you think you're going to throw stones at me. Jesus himself said, I tell you, if you call your brother a fool then you've murdered him. Because there were people who were running around getting their identity and what they did. What about the rich young ruler that came up to Jesus? And he said, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. Love the Lord your God. And the young fellow says, all of these I've done since I was a boy. How good's that, he said to himself. His identity came in what he did. Should have been in the one that he was speaking to. <laughs> and Jesus said, but you still lack one thing. <sighs> Isn't it just like God to point out our imperfections? You know what I mean? Ever been convicted by the Holy Spirit? That's a good feeling in the, at the end of the day. Ever, ever been, you know, sort of reading your Bible and then you feel like you want to put it down because it says something that you don't do? <laughs> and you say, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I used to live this sort of... Uh, Pastor Andrew's here this morning, and he, he used to talk about the snakes and ladders of Christianity. 
and talking about, you know, sometimes you get up the ladders and you climb up high and then other days you slide down the snake and you're right back down where you started from. I used to live this sort of Christianity right up until I was about 24 years old. Mm, something like that anyway. I was still at Bible college at the time. And I used to not know where my destination was going to be because I like that Pharisee. I like that rich, rich young ruler who had authority, obviously he was a ruler, authority over certain things. He had dominion over his own uh, habits, which again, there are things, who, who, who has authority over their own habits? Let's be honest, sometimes it's a hard thing, again, that identifies. And yet he said, I've done these, Jesus didn't argue back with him, did he? He didn't say, well, no, you haven't. But he added one more thing, he said, one thing you still lack, go and sell, all, all, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Now, I don't know the full story of that guy, and we, we never will, I guess. But what we do know is he dropped his bottom lip, and he walked away. He walked away from the one who could set him free from that rat race of having to perform, having to outdo, having to outlive. How, you know, it's, we're not playing survivor here. Christianity is not about playing survivor and getting booted out of the, booted out of the kingdom. God wants to love us all and bring us into the kingdom of God. And so I used to struggle with this until I realised that faith in the Son of God is the only thing that can set you free. And reliance upon the finished, complete, accomplished work of Jesus on the cross is the only thing because we all have sin in our lives. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isn't it good that you can find a passage of the Bible that talks about you? Hey, how good's that? That's me. And Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Or as Barry Chant used to say, the wages of sin is not enough to live on. The wages of sin is death. We know that God is a holy God. God is a righteous God. And therefore for us, and sin itself separates. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, in the cool of the day, whatever moment, whatever time. How good would that be to know that you walk with God on a daily basis? To know that you're a child of God and that He's looking out for you on a daily basis. When you come to faith, that happens. And you realize that whatever mountain you face, whatever mail comes in your mailbox and you open it up and read it, whether it's a bill, whether it's a court letter, whether it's this or that or something else, you know that Jesus is walking with you, that his presence is with you, that on the inside you have something that empowers you to encounter any difficulty that comes your way. And not only that, that you were born to be an overcomer. Amen? That's the difference. And I find my identity not in what comes in the mail, but on the one who lives on the inside of me, amen. I become resilient. There's another R word. I didn't even write it down. I, I am repaired, revived, re-energized, resurrected, reset, and now I'm resilient, amen. I uh, spoke at Mount Anne Christian College Chapel this week and I talked about this idea of sin and it happened to be a cold morning and everybody, who, who's been driving your car on a cold morning and then all the windows start to fog up? How difficult does it become? And then it's a weird thing. You've got to put the air conditioning on to clear it up. 
and you think on a cold day I've got to put the air conditioning on full ball so I can see. But trying to drive with a foggy windscreen is another thing. Now the kids enjoy it because they can scribble little things on the back windows. But seeing foggily, trying to navigate life with fog in front of us is like sin. God wants us to see clearly, to see things demystified, to enable us to navigate life as he intended us to live. And sin is the thing that fogs our life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. He's got a gift for us. You know, at Easter time, you're going to get lots of different gifts. If you're a kid, you probably end up with too many gifts. I, I lived with a family. I boarded with an associate pastor of a church at one stage and uh, lived in this house, and they had this little toddler kid, and uh, she just wanted to eat all her Easter eggs all at once. And then, you know, in the end, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't the parent, so I wasn't determining who got what or whatever, but this kid had so much chocolate, they were in a chocolate coma laying in their cot, shaking because they had too, too much chocolate. <laughs> I mean, that's not the way to be, is it? I mean, you know, and I, I told them about, that I was actually living with the Simpsons at the time, and uh, I got this big Easter egg, massive Easter egg, and it was good. It was blue-covered, wrapped up, and, and at that stage, I don't know why. Who eats, who eats um, chips, Smith's chips, line by line? Who does that? Have you seen kids doing that? They're like little, little um, you know, I don't know what they are. I was going to say rabbits, but they're not rabbits. They're more than that. Like little chipmunks trying to just get every little last bit. I mean, I inhale a bag of chips at a time, but I, I can't do it slowly like that. But I decided I was going to keep this egg for as long as I possibly could. Put it in the cupboard, forgot about it. And about 10 months later, I thought, oh, I might go. And go. I saw it when I opened the cupboard. must not opened the cupboard a lot, but I found it again. And I uh, pulled the box open. It looked fantastic. Pulled the blue wrapping back and the chocolate had gone white. Lost its taste. Yeah, I mean, disappointed. I know, I nearly ended my life right there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it had spoiled. It was a gift. And not only had I wasted the other person's money as a gift to me, I wasted the opportunity to use the gift that was there. But the gift itself was, I guess going to perish anyway. But the gift of God of eternal life never perishes. Amen. Yeah. Never perishes. And not only that, have you ever... <laughs> we, I, I haven't got time to go there, but he gives that gift to all who will receive. It's available to everybody. Amen. So sin is not something we do. It is a condition that makes us do the wrong thing. And we're born with it. It's called a sinful nature. Every one of us has it. I remember arguing with the Anglican priest at Glenanus High School when I was in year 10. Arguing. Saying, no. And he used to say, well, what has the baby done? Because we talked about if a baby was born, would it go to heaven and died? Would it go to heaven or would it go to hell? And of course, we, he wanted to emphasize the sinful nature. And I argued. I argued like anything. Saying, no way. No way. I later realized that he was talking about sinful nature and I was talking about things that people had done. And there's a difference. Now, whether a baby goes to heaven or hell, I believe is in God's hands. And I believe he is a righteous and merciful judge. And I believe up to a certain point, 
then God is, takes that. But once we become responsible for our own actions and we have the ability to choose, some people will say that's at seven, some people will say that's at 15, some people, my wife will probably tell you I still haven't got it at 51. <laughs> and I just gave myself a discount anyway, so <laughs> at 53 now, praise the Lord. The ability to choose makes us culpable for the mistakes we make, but we're born with the sinful nature and no one can deal with it. No matter, no, matter, no matter what amount of yoga you do, no matter how many marathons you run, no matter how many people you have in your friendship group, how many likes you've got on Twitter, Facebook or other applications, dealing with the sinful nature can only be done in one way, and that is to accept Jesus Christ as your saviour. And the problem of sin is that it separates us from God. No amount of money, success or ability can fix it. And the fact is, nobody is born a Christian. As much as we like to think, oh, I was born into a good household, yes, you may have been, and praise God for that, amen. But at some stage, you have to make your own decision. Christianity, being a follower of Christ, is not God's attempt to limit us, but to get us out of our self-destructive ways and bring us into a brand new way of living the way God intended for us to live in the first place, as children of God. Romans 5 verse 6 tells us, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, we had the foggy windscreen, we had no desire to praise God, we had no, no other um, tether around about us to find our, our identity. At just that right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But if you've ever tried to get into the line of 12 items or less at Coles and you've got 14 items, I'm telling you, no one's going to be dying for you right there, right then. I mean, there's somebody pushing you out of the way saying, how many items have you got? Starts counting them all up. Even listening or giving credence to what somebody says, we always give them a one up and down first. We might think to ourselves, what do they look like? What do they... But God can speak through a donkey. Yeah. Amen. I'm relying on that here this morning. But God demonstrates his own love in us, own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? But you know what? When we were messing things up, when we were doing the wrong thing, God made a way. And it was a perfect way. So that if I believe in him, I can find new life. I can find new hope, I can find a new identity and I can live as he intended me to live. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ at Easter time. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that we preach and proclaim as C3 New Hope. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus, up in the tree, everybody hated him. He was a wee small man. <laughs> Still remember a kid on the bus telling us this story all the time. He was in like a year two at the time. We used to say, tell us the story of Zacchaeus. And obviously his parents, he was an African boy, but his, uh, obviously his parents had read it to him. And so he would, he would say it. He'd say, there was a man, his name was Zacchaeus, and he was a wee man, a wee small man. <laughs> and he climbed a sycamore fig tree. 
It was about a man who had an identity but had to be found in a new place. He climbed a tree to see Jesus. Why? Because he had heard that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus points at him in the tree. He goes, oh. And then the message comes, I've come to seek and save the lost. What about the cross? thief that was on the cross right next to Jesus? Jesus, the thief turns to Jesus, Luke chapter 23, and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here was a man who was at his absolute end. He was a thief, obviously, and he was condemned to die. His only last identity was to be the thief hanging on the cross. But on that day, he found a new identity because he reached out to Jesus. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And how good is this? Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Sometimes we don't have, we, we've got to stop looking at the bad things that we have done and look to the one who can save us. Amen. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, everyone, everybody say everyone. Actually, everyone say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is the reset. This is the reinvigoration. What was the other word I said today? The re-something? Reset, reinvigoration, the re-empowered, re-resilience. That's the only resilience on the inside of us as well. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Everybody say the right. He didn't give you an Easter egg. He didn't give you something that would perish. He didn't give you something that looked good and then you unwrap it. It's all white and mouldy. No, he gave you the right to become a child of God. Children not born of a natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Amen. God knows your name. He knows your fingerprints. He knows when you were born. He knows when he's going to take you, amen. He knows all about you, the things you like, the things you don't like, the things you say, even before they're on your lips, the Bible teaches us. He knows every word. He knows the good things you've done. He knows the bad things you've done. He knows it all. And yet, he still gave his son for you and I, amen. Oh, there's gracious good news in that, amen. Doesn't matter how dark, Bad, wrong, terrible, evil, you may think you are. Christ died for you, amen. Amen. Whether your wife thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread or not is irrelevant. What matters is what Jesus thinks about you, amen. Whether your dad or your mum said to you, you're going to be successful or not as a child. Yes, it can hurt. And yes, it can be the current thing that defines you. But I want to tell you, amen, that there is a God in heaven who loves you. And Jesus gave his life for you. And his love is immeasurable. And he considers you a child of God. He considers you as someone he cares for. The Bible says that, Jesus, that God is like a mother hen. Some of the blokes won't like this illustration, but that's the way it is. Who gathers his chicks around under his arms. Maybe a better psalm for the men would be, You shall rest in the shadow of the Almighty. By his wings, he will cover you. 
Love covers a multitude of sins. And we can nest ourselves right into the love of God because of what Christ Jesus did for us. Amen. And we can find our identity, not in what we've done, but in who we've become. Amen. A child of God. Amen. Woo! And, and, and not only the right. You know how they say, oh, I've got rights? No, no, this, that's not what the meaning of this actual verse is. It's dunamis. Dunamis. Sounds like dynamite, yeah? If you read in the King James Version, it will say he gave the power to become a child of God. Woo! How about that, eh? When your battery's not got anything left in it to be doing the reset, the Bible says, if we will believe and receive the Son of God, he gives us whoo, the power to become a child of God. Amen. Ah. John chapter 3, verse 3 tells us, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You cannot drive your car with a clear, clear conscience or even a clear windscreen unless you're born again. Amen. And why? Woo, here's a good promise. 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Did I sound like a demon then? Maybe I had to get a demon out of me, I don't know. But everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. Oh, but this made me do it. That made me do it. No, 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 no. The power of God overcomes the world, amen. It overcomes your past. It overcomes your failures. It overcomes your poor self-identity. It overcomes the, the sense that you think, I'm never going to achieve anything. Even if you achieve nothing, God loves you so much he gave his son for you, amen. But when you receive him, amen, you become unstoppable. And all things considered, you become effective because God is in you and with you, amen. Think about it for a second. If the one who raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you, how much more can you conquer the mountain that is in front of you? How much more can you say to yourself, he is for me and not against me? And when somebody comes to tell you, you're not what you think you are, you say, oh, but I am what I am by the grace of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when they say, you're not this and you're not that, you say, but I am a child of God and my dad is bigger than your dad. And I'm telling you that I'm overcoming the world because of what Jesus did for me. Amen. Getting a bit excited here this one, is that all right? John chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Everybody say the. That's real Aussie, isn't it? The. If we're in, I don't know what the New Zealand say, would they put an A on that? That, that, oh, who knows? Americans certainly would be the, the. So we'll go Aussie, because I'm an Aussie. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He's not a way, a truth, or a life. There's an important distinction there. A lot of people say there's many ways to the Father. No, there's not. There's not. I mean, your GPS can tell you a, a thousand different ways to get somewhere. You could end up like me, up in the backbones on a dirt road, one track road at about 10 o'clock at night, trying to get from SeaWorld back to Coolangatta. I could have taken the highway. The GPS told me to take this road because it was going to be quicker. <laughs> Mandy told me which road I could have taken. It was a road to behold, but I trusted in something I shouldn't have trusted in. There are many ways to get somewhere, but there's only one way to get to heaven, amen. I am the way, the truth, 
Oh, yeah, it's well, whatever, it's your truth to you. And this is what the nonsense is that we're currently facing. And this is what we're trying to foister upon our young people, even in primary school and, and younger, that you can be whatever you want to be. You can say whatever you want to be. Despite what you've been given, you can choose what you want to be. Really? 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 Truth is whatever you want to make it. It's my truth. And if my truth is that I'm not going to amount to anything, that's the truth I'm going to live by. Really? Some people are in that pattern. And what happens when that truth changes? What I, ha- I mean, there are kids that will tell you that, you know, I can't think. I can't think of things. But when we're kids, we think like kids. When we're adults, we think like adults, yeah? That's what the scripture, Paul tells us. He says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. When I became a man, I thought like a man. When I became a Christian, I thought like a Christian. When I followed Jesus, I followed the truth. And what he says is final. God said it, that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. If he said I'm a child of God, I have to put my faith in that. I am a child of God, amen. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The only way to have eternal life is to have it in him. And the only way to have real life is to have it in him. Amen. We're almost towards the end. Amen. 2 Timothy verse one, chapter 1, verse 6 says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, self-discipline. So, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. And this grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has, everybody says has, destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I wonder, do we need a reset here this morning? Do we need reinvigorated? Do we need to understand again today that I put my faith in Him and in Him alone? I put my trust in Him, in Him alone. Proverbs 3 verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lord, we need you to open our eyes, to open the eyes of our heart, oh God, to open the eyes of our spirit. One of my all-time favourite scriptures is Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. And my spirit will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my ways. The gospel is, the good news is, that there is hope in Christ Jesus. His sacrifice was sufficient. His grace and mercy are real. 
His love is real and demonstrated. God is for you, not against you. A faith in God helps us to overcome fear, gives us a firm foundation, and it gives us a framework to build our lives and relationships upon. And it gives us a future to hope for. I mentioned Bible college before, and when I was at Bible college where I used to fear, if I did the right thing, I had a good day. I thought, yep, maybe I'll get to heaven. If I was doing the wrong thing, I thought to myself, maybe I won't get there. But we're studying the topic of assurance and the completeness of what Jesus had done for us. And I remember washing up, albeit that's a miracle in itself, in my little flat that used to be underneath somebody's house. And this plane flew overhead. And it was so low that the whole place began to shake. And in that moment, I thought, oh, I could die here. It felt that bad. And as, as like the next second, the next millisecond that I had that thought, it was, and if I died, I'd be in heaven. Because faith had come alive on the inside. And since then, to say I'd been unstoppable would be a lie. <laughs> to say that God has been with me forever is true. And to say that he has encouraged me to no end is true. And to say that when everybody else might not be encouraging me or thinking that Ken's the best thing since sliced bread, I know that God has said, I'm your child. This is my son whom I love, whom I love and I'm proud of him. That's a great place to be. It's called the gift of eternal life. It's called the gift of empowerment. And God wants to give it to you here this morning. John chapter 14 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. God has prepared a place for you. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Verse 14, I will be found by you in this glorious game of hide and seek. Jesus says, I will be found by you if you seek me with all your heart. My prayer is this morning that there's like a reset. It's time for us to put our faith again in Him and say, you know what? Come hell or high water, I will trust in you. You are my God. You are my shield. You are my strength. You are my portion forever. I'm not afraid of man. What can man do to me? Let's stand together in His presence.
Identity is a really personal thing. And it's something that we personally struggle with. I wonder, will you allow the Holy Spirit a little bit of room in your world today? To perhaps put his finger on something that stops you from enjoying being fully in the presence of God and fully dedicated. I wonder, would you allow God to shift the fog and allow you to see clearly? I wonder, would you be willing if the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and saying, yes, I'm ready for a reset. I'm ready just to put my faith and trust We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.